This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome into another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This is the one-stop shop for all things UGA. Do you believe? That's the main question. I definitely do believe, and I believe that we're going to have a great guest on today. We're going to talk some dogs recruiting. Not only does the 2020 class incoming freshman bring great promise with a lot of potential contributors, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but there's some great things happening in the 2021 class and even a couple of big things happening down the line in 2022. So lots of stuff to talk about. I'm going to welcome in Jake Roos from UGASports.com. He's one of the best in uh, covering recruiting. We're going to talk to him about a, a couple of potential targets that are making decisions soon, uh, hopefully all to UGA. But you never know, the recruiting world is strange like that, especially in times of COVID. We're going to kind of find out how they do things, uh, covering recruiting, evaluating recruits, things like that at UGA Sports, uh, how things are different uh, versus uh, pre-COVID and uh, now in the COVID era and, and kind of what, what are some things that they might keep. Uh, things like that to, to kind of peel the curtain back. So it's going to be a really interesting show, I believe. Do you believe? I think you will after you hear this one. Um, it, it's it's going to be you know, lots of lots of crazy stuff happening. Uh, one of the things I'm reading about is probably going to be one of the best cornerback signees that Georgia will bring in, uh, Tony Grimes. Uh, he is from. Uh, he is actually being targeted by uh, the University of North Carolina. I think it's down between North Carolina and Georgia. Two great recruiters. Mac Brown has been doing it for so many years uh, in his time, in his first stint with the Tar Heels, and then with his career at the University of Texas. Then you got Kirby Smart, who's deemed as a elite recruiter, also 
in the mix for Tony Grimes. And, and this thing is going to come all the way down to signing day, I think. And uh, no matter who he chooses, I think he's set to decide next week. So no matter who he chooses, it's going to come down to signing day anyway because I think Kirby's not going to not going to give up on him. Um, and so uh, it, it's going to be interesting uh, coming down the stretch. I think also uh, James Williams, uh, he's – He's looking at uh, a decision here soon. Um, Samael Mondin, also um, out of Paulding County, outside linebacker. That'll be an interesting haul. I think Georgia is putting some emphasis on linebackers because I think there's going to be a heavy hit uh, with uh, with departures at the linebacker position. So I think that's going to be an area of focus. Offensive line is always an area of focus. They've recently got to commit from Dylan Fairchild. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of dive into that and see kind of where Dylan Fairchild. Uh, fits in. We've got Chaz Chambliss also committed. Uh, we're going to talk to Jake about him. And we've also uh, Elijah Judy, who is uh, the brother of Jerry Judy, which is interesting because you switch from Jerry being in Alabama. Now a lot of those connections are starting to come over to, to Georgia. So that's going to be an interesting uh, topic to to dive into with, with Jake possibly, uh, depending on how long we take with the 2021 soap opera that is recruiting. So uh, going to be a great show, uh, going to be a great guest. Jake hopefully will be somebody that we can have on regularly. Uh, we had a great session with Dane Young. Dane Young kind of brings some of the current roster analysis coming in. Uh, Jake's going to bring a lot of the recruiting news, but don't sell Jake short on some of the analysis of the current roster and the current games. Uh, so we're, we're going to have hopefully those two on. And again, UJ Sports is one of my favorite sites. It's a great online community. I, I know sometimes it gets a little crazy over there um, with, with the way people react. It's an extremely emotional bunch, but there's a lot of great information, a lot of great side conversations, a lot of great topics that are brought up. And uh, so it's and, and the staff does a tremendous job with the content. So the content alone is worth the nine ninety nine a month. But you get a great message board as well that reacts to all of this content, plus the actual games that are on and uh, things like that. So uh, going to be a great show. I, I've said that a lot. Um, it's going to be a great show. If you want to check us out, uh, check us out at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms. Give us a follow. Give us some likes. Um, Give us some feedback, things you want to hear, people you want to hear from, topics you want to uh, discuss. Let's let's get it all out there on the table. You can uh, follow Jake. Uh, he will give his Twitter handle and Instagram handle soon. Um, I don't want to spoil that for you. I'll let him do it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll reinforce it afterwards. But uh, also, on uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and or tune in whatever podcasting platform that you prefer. You can give us a subscribe there. You can give us some likes, and I think you can rate the show. I know you can on iTunes. I'm not sure about the other platforms. Uh, iTunes is probably my preferred one, if, if I'm being honest. So give us a listen. Uh, if you want to advertise, so if you're, if you're an owner of a business and you want to, you, you feel like this show is blowing up, which it will, and you want to advertise, reach out to our folks at Believe.com. B-L-E-A-V.com. They will get you set up with uh, some sponsorship on this show, and I'll be glad to uh, I'll be glad to read about your your stuff here uh, in the future. But without further ado, I'd I'd like to uh, go to the interview with Jake and uh, let you guys in on some uh, some recruiting insight. But here's Jake Roos from UGASports.com, and as always, go dogs. We welcome in from UGASports.com. 
His name is Jake Roos. He's the master of recruiting over there, uh, and uh, he joins us on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Corey. Thank you for having me, man. Well, uh, there's a lot of lot of happenings in the in the world of recruiting. Um, you know, COVID has probably changed a lot of those uh, things as far as how you guys cover and and uh, just kind of how recruiting visits go in general. Um, so before we get into specifics uh, about different recruits and different uh, news stories, uh, how is how is the COVID world kind of flipped recruiting upside down uh, on your end, uh, covering it and evaluating, and then also uh, from the from the kids that you've talked to, you know, how has it upended it on their end as well? Well, I think from a coverage and, and evaluation standpoint, it's been really tough on everybody. Um, you know, we're used to being out of camps this time of the year. We're used to being able to go out to spring practices. And, um, you know, right now, normally we'd be gearing up for the opening and the Rivals five-star challenge and, you know, just getting a chance to see all the best players in the nation kind of collected together. So it, it really has hurt us from an evaluation standpoint. There's no question about that. And, um, you know, I don't think that's unique to the recruiting industry. I think that that's true of the college coaching industry as well. I, I know that, um, you know, coaches value this opportunity to get out, scout new guys, uh, have their own summer camps as well. Uh, you know, obviously no dog night this year. So uh, I think it's just been a, a tough time on everybody. Uh, Georgia especially, because I, it seems like they really value those in-person evaluations uh, as much as any staff in the nation. They really trust their eyes when it comes to getting guys on campus. So um, I do think that it's changed a lot in that respect. From the recruiting, from the recruit standpoint, I think that, um, you know, it's – it's kind of created a very wild west situation. You've got some kids who, uh, you know, are kind of taking it and running with it and saying, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and hop in on schools. I haven't even seen, um, you know, but they're showing me a lot of interest. They're showing me that I'm a, a wanted priority. Uh, and then you've got a lot of kids who are stepping back and saying, I can't do anything. Uh, I'm a little bit paralyzed almost until I can take these visits, which to me makes the most sense. I, I understand that a lot more than the, the other one. Uh, you know, I get the idea of getting in and getting a position and, and getting your spot in a class if you feel that that's where you want to go. But simultaneously, I think that a lot of these kids are setting themselves up for a very strange fall, uh, especially once they get back on the visit trail get a chance to go out and see some different things from that perspective. I think it's just going to be a very, very wild fall. Yeah. Do you expect a lot of decommitments once the uh, campus visits are open back up? Yeah, no question about it. I, I think that it's, it's, I, I think everybody's predicting that I, you know, it's just going to be the nature of it. And, you know, I just, it, it comes down to kids don't have that level of comfort that they need. And you hear them talk so often about, Oh, I'm looking for that home feeling and I'm looking for how I fit in this campus or how I fit with the student body or in this town. You, you just haven't had a chance for a lot of guys to develop that. And especially not to the level that they would have. I mean, you know, over the course of spring and summer, sometimes you'll see guys on campus up to, you know, five or six times, especially for an in-state guy. So I think that not having that opportunity is going to have kids, you know, reconsidering some things. I think that you'll have kids too, who through this process, you know, may have committed somewhere a little further away from home, but over the course of the shutdown have realized, Hey, you know, I, I really do want to be close to my family. I want to be close to home. Um, I, I think from that perspective, you'll see it change a lot too. But I, I think it's going to make for a very active fall, no question about it. Well, uh, why wait till the fall to be active? There's there's a trio of guys that are uh, about to make some decisions here. Uh, Smale Mondon, 
uh, Tony Grimes, James Williams, and even I think Nyland Green is getting into the mix as well. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with Grimes. You know, it's it, I, I think it can be safe to say it's down between uh, UNC and uh, and Georgia for the uh, five star defensive back. What uh, what are you? What's the latest on Grimes? Well, you know, it's really going to come down to, I think, whether or not he goes through with this commitment plan. He, he ended up bumping that thing up so fast and so far. I mean, he was talking about a December commitment, and now we're looking at the end of this month. And so I think that it's a situation with him where, you know, things are, are just kind of changing on a dime. It wouldn't surprise me to see him step back from that even. But, you know, obviously I think a lot hinges on what's going to happen in the uh, high school football scene in Virginia this this fall. I think that the possibility exists still, it seems, to maybe him looking to reclassify. And uh, if it's between UNC and UGA, I don't think there's any question that UNC has the momentum on the recruiting trail right now. They've, they're putting together one of the nation's uh, best classes, and I think they've done a tremendous job in building it. I do think that the longer it goes, the better it is for Georgia, and that's why I felt good uh, about Georgia's chances if a December date was going to be the uh, ultimate deadline for him because I think that once you see the – play on the field that might change some things um you know i do think that unc's on the upward path i just don't know that they're there yet and uh, i think for a kid like that he wants to be in elite competition he wants to be playing on an elite roster unc is headed in that direction georgia feels like they're already there um so i I don't think that this is a situation regardless of what we see when this decision is made where anybody's going to stop recruiting uh, one another. I don't think that you'll see any, uh, you know, visits canceled or anything like that. I I expect that this uh, will go on as long as uh, he stays a 2021 recruit. So with, uh, with Keely Ringo coming in, being extremely talented, um, does him breaking into a a already star studded defensive backfield uh, change anything for Grimes or, or give Georgia an extra edge? You know, I don't know uh, that it. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that it helps them um, I, because the, the the path to playing time is certainly clearer in, in uh, at UNC. I don't think that anybody could doubt that, especially for a guy of his talent. I mean, you're probably talking about the ability to get on the field as a freshman in, in, in uh, at UNC. At Georgia, that's a little bit more up for debate. I don't think that he's at all scared of the competition at Georgia, and certainly I think he can compete with anybody Georgia's got on the roster. But the numbers and the quality of player there uh, are just going to inevitably make for a a tougher hill to climb. So, um, you know, I think that from that perspective, does it hurt Georgia? I don't think tremendously. And like I said, I do think he's a kid who wants to play with good competition. Uh, but from a business standpoint and the ability to see the field early, UNC does make a little bit more sense. Right. And uh, I mean, you know, being able to play early as a freshman is probably something that influences a lot of people. So uh, let's look at his position mate, Nylon Green. Uh, some things I think you, you, you mentioned you had a story about him coming. Uh, if it's not already out, uh, some things on Twitter. He has a lot of schools listed on his Twitter profile that he's going to choose between. Uh, what, what's the latest on on Green? You know, uh, the sense I got him talking to Nyland uh, was a couple days back was that um, he doesn't seem to be in any rush uh, necessarily, but uh, he doesn't seem like a kid who's saying, you know, I'm holding off, I'm waiting to take visits. I think that he's a guy who's gotten to see a lot of what he's needed to see. Um, over the course of his visits. And and I think that, you know, you're talking about 
uh, Auburn and Georgia and Clemson being kind of the main players there. LSU and Tennessee were two more he mentioned that had really stayed on him heavily uh, throughout the shutdown. But I think that you're probably looking at that trio right now uh, that I, I just mentioned of uh, probably being the front runners. Clemson has all the momentum when it comes to uh, the rival's future casts. I know everybody has him uh, slated to go there, but he really wasn't re that ready to concede it. You know, uh, I, I asked him straight up. I said, look, man, everybody thinks you're going to Clemson. Is that true? And uh, he said, he said, you know, I, I haven't made any decisions. He said, there are a lot of people that think they know what's best for me, that they think they know what I'm going to do. He said, I, I'm still praying on it. I'm still waiting, uh, you know, to, to figure out where my heart is and, um, you know, he seemed genuine with that. I think he's a kid who is, um, you know, I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see if he's one of these kids that the COVID uh, shutdown kind of ends up playing in and the ability to stay a little bit closer to home because that gives Georgia a huge edge. If so, um, you know, I don't know that it necessarily will. Like I said, it feels like Clemson's the front runner, but uh, Green maybe not as uh, not as locked up to the Tigers as it felt like he once was. Well, that's certainly uh, beneficial uh, in, in the COVID era. Somebody else that I think has narrowed it down to two people, uh, Miami and Georgia, that would be James Williams out of uh, American Heritage down in Plantation. Um, is there, what are Georgia's chances there? Do we, do we feel good about the, the four-star safety? I feel very strongly about Georgia's chances there. Um, you know, we talked about kids not being able to see campus. That's not a problem for James Williams. He's been to Athens over 12 times. Um, you know, he's very he's very well versed in what Georgia has to offer. He's close with that coaching staff, knows Charlton Warren and has for some time. Um, you know, so even for a South Florida kid, I know that that seems crazy. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do like to stand by that old recruiting adage of, follow the visits and, you know, uh, watch where it goes. And I think that uh, if you do that for James Williams, it, it points to Georgia pretty heavily. Uh, he's also just a massive need. I think they, there's a, a path to playing time early with Richard McCount graduating this year. There's going to, there's going to be a vacancy back there on the back end. He's a kid with such a rare combination of, of physical tools that uh, he would be a, an interesting prospect, even as a freshman. He, uh, I know, uh, that's tough in this defense, especially with the depth that they've built up in the ranks. But I think that he's just got uh, a lot of the skills that Kirby Smart covets and his defensive players. And I think that uh, Williams could make an impact early. I, I do like Georgia's chances there very much. Very good. I think uh, Georgia fans, I think that'll calm some things on the, on the dog vent or on the vault, uh, as you say, and, and uh, some, some stuff that are, that's going on there now. But um Another position I think Georgia's targeting heavily because I think there's going to be a lot of turnover is the linebacker position inside and outside. Uh, Smell Munden, I think I said that right. Uh, outside linebacker, Paulding County. Uh, talk to me about him a little bit. What are our chances? What does he bring to the table? What's his skill set? Well, it's a good question for sure because he's a kid we've been watching for the entirety of June. I thought he would be done well before now. Uh, I thought that he, he was a kid who was on commit watch. You know, we've been ready, just kind of waiting for the word, it feels like. And uh, I really felt strongly about Georgia going into this um, into this month. I don't know that I feel as strongly now. I do think the Bulldogs are still the team to beat. But it does sound like over the course of uh, some of this shutdown, I think Tennessee's gained some ground. I think Auburn feels that they've gained some ground. So uh, not maybe as, uh, as open shut of a case as it was at one point, but I just think for Georgia, the need is too strong at linebacker, and especially for an in-state guy like uh, Smile is. I, I think that you're talking about, you know, 
once Barrett Carter ended up going to Clemson, it only upped the ante uh, on this kid and keeping him in state. And Georgia's made such a priority of uh, their in-state guys this year. It feels like uh, I think that they would that would that would be considered a big miss if they missed on Monday. Uh, for that reason, I, I don't expect that they will. But like I said, uh, certainly not as clear cut as it may have once. All right. So, what, what's his skill set? Does he compare more to like a, a edge rusher, uh, edge guy like Ojolari, or does he more of like a versatile guy like Nolan Smith? You know, I kind of think of him actually more so as a little bit more of a uh, uh, Quay Walker type. He's kind of got that build to me. Um, you know, kind of long, but an inside linebacker, a guy who um, you know is rangy and can play kind of all across the field. I think that that's what you're looking at with with him. Uh, you know, the possibility. Does the possibility exist that he could transition out to the outside? Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think that he's probably being uh, more evaluated for the inside spot, uh, it looks like. I think that they're going with the guys like Elijah Judy, um, you know, at that outside spot. So I think that they really want smile for that, uh, that, that inside linebacker, but certainly he's a versatile enough player, talented enough player to, uh, to play any of those spots. Yeah, you mentioned Judy, who is uh, – who is- already committed um, as a linebacker. He joins uh, Chaz Chambliss from Carrollton um, also um, in the commit mix. Uh, what does Chambliss bring to the table? You know, I really like Chaz uh, as a developmental prospect. He doesn't strike me as a kid who's going to walk in the door and, and be beaten down the, you know, the, the first team uh, right off the bat. I think that he's a guy who's going to take some time to, to get where he wants to be. And mostly that's going to be dependent, I think, on his body because he's a big kid already. I mean, you're talking about he's in that 255 range right now. Uh, but looks like he could probably play at 270, 280 if he needed to. Uh, so will we see him more as a, uh, a guy with a hand in the ground? Will he be standing up? Uh, you know, I think that a year in strength and training will, will really kind of determine that for uh, Chambliss. But uh, what I love about him is a, a powerful kid, uh, a coach's favorite. Uh, you know, his guys over at Carrollton just gushed about him and the ability that he brings, the leadership that he brings. And, uh, you know, not a lot of flash to him. He's not a guy who's out doing a ton of media. He's not, a, you know, a, a huge camp warrior or anything like that. He keeps to himself a uh, real country guy. And, um, you know, I think that he's going to be a, a very solid commit for Georgia. I don't think they got any competition to worry about there for him. He seems like he wants to be done with the recruiting process. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's uh, somebody that will come in, work hard, compete, things like that. I think Kirby Smart loves that kind of thing. Um, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. A couple of uh, pair of commits, uh, Dylan Fairchild, uh, the most recent on the offensive line. Um, you can never – is it true you can never recruit too many offensive linemen? hundred uh, percent true. There's no question about that in my opinion, yeah. And I, I think Kirby Smart has proven that he believes the same uh, over his tenure at Georgia. Absolutely. So Dylan Fairchild, is he – is he more of a is he more of a tackler? Does he is he somebody that moves inside as a guard? You're talking about, in my estimation, a five position player. I mean, I think that he could go anywhere across the front. I think that Georgia probably values some of the size, the freaky size that you've got in a guy like Amarius Mims or uh, a Broderick Jones. Uh, more so at the, at the tackles positions. I think that they want their biggest guys out there, certainly. And then, but, then you got Morris, too, Michael Morris committed. Yeah, who's a, a cinder block of a human being as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I, – I, listen, Fairchild, you're talking 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 300 pounds. I mean, he's got the size to do it. And I'll tell you what, he's more than got the uh, the chops for it. His feet 
are incredible. I, I remember watching his film. I was just blown away uh, by how that kid moves uh, to be that big. He is uh, pulling all over the field, um, just doing everything. Gets up to the second level so quickly. I, I think that uh, this is a, a pickup that, you know, it, it's not reflected maybe in the, the ranking yet. And I think that he's a kid who would have climbed over the course of the evaluation period this mm -hmm. spring. Um, but uh, I, I I caution people to not get lost on uh, on Fairchild, uh, you know, while looking to the Mimses of the world or the Terrence Ferguson's. Um, you know, this kid is a kid who's going to be able to get in there and, and mix it up with anybody. And uh, I, I really, really like that pickup for Georgia. Absolutely, I, I feel like I feel like offensive tackle is almost turning into a skill position uh, because of the athleticism that you need. You know, you got guys like uh, Broderick Jones coming in who who has some of the best feet. Andrew Thomas just got picked number four overall in the NFL draft, partially because, or not partially, but mostly because he can run. Isaiah Wynn became a first round pick because he can move. He he transitioned some of his skills as a puller at guard, moved out to left tackle and flourished, even though he's you know vertically challenged at six two. That's tough for me to say at five eight. Somebody's vertically <laughs> challenged at six two. But when he's going up against six eight behemoths, uh, comparatively, uh, but you almost have to be a tremendous athlete to play at that tackle position. And I think it's something that you're starting to see more of, of people taking pride in because I, I coach high school football. And one of the things is, you know, you, you talk to some of these kids and they're saying, hey, I have to go play offensive line. They see it as a punishment because it's not a, quote, skill position. But playing tackle is absolutely a skill position. And I, I think even playing across the board now, I think you could argue that every position on the field now is starting to turn into a uh, skill position with the athleticism of what you're going against on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that all you got to do is look to the NFL draft and see the the way that it's changed and the way that, you know, you're, you're, you've got guys investing in these franchise quarterbacks and simultaneously they're coming on the back end and investing in the franchise tackles and offensive linemen. I mean, it's not just them, you know, you're seeing guards being taken high, uh, even centers climbing up the board. Uh, so the offensive line is, you, you know, I, I think that, uh, I kind of go back to the the David Carr era in Houston mm -hmm. uh, is what it makes oh. me think of it, and just how they ruined that guy with oh, uh, you man. know no protection. Yeah. And I think that, that staffs uh, across the NFL said, "Hey, we we can't make these kind of investments and not keep uh, not keep this guy upright." And I, yeah. I think that you're seeing the value there more. So, like you said, uh, there's no punishment in playing offensive line. They pay good there too. Yeah, they do pay good, and, and you get to deliver a lot of the punishment as well. And, and I think with Lawrence Taylor started the uh, the emphasis on the edge guys, the tackles, but now I think it's kind of trickled down. Quentin Nelson has done wonders for the interior guys, um, and then the, you'll see that trickle down to even centers now that uh, they're kind of like the quarterback of the of the front, and they're, they're making all the calls and things like that. So um, I'm going to use that to transition into uh, the incoming freshmen because uh, – out of all of the out of the last three classes, Kirby assigned uh, three number ones um, according to according to y'all at Rivals. Um, I can say us maybe because I'm formerly of Rivals, but um, we we've we ranked him as number one for three straight years. But this class, this incoming class, feels different than the previous two. Why is that? Personally, I think it's because of the quality and depth. I think that you were able to get, you know, so many guys that you targeted for so long in this class. And I think that that was a real key for Georgia uh, in this group. Um, you know, and that's especially true on the offensive line. I mean, there was no question from the, you know, from the time they dropped the gate that it was 
Broderick Jones and Tate Ravage were the guys. Those were the guys that they wanted. And mm-hmm. um, it was, it, which completely understandable. Everybody else did too. I mean, those kids are, they do it all. Um, you know, I think that that really kind of speaks to it. I think also too, you saw Georgia address some key needs and, and maybe kind of hint at what they hope uh, the future looks like by taking six wide receivers. I mean, I, I didn't know that I'd ever see that in a Kirby smart recruiting class, but uh, you know, I think that he realized, you know, the direction the game is moving. He saw what LSU was able to do in that uh, SEC championship. And then obviously in the national title as well, um, the need became clear. And I, I think that he realized, Hey, maybe, you know, we've got to make sure we've got the most competition at, at all of these spots. Uh, it's not just about that old ground and pound anymore. It's uh, it, it's about being able to air it out a little bit, make sure that we've got some guys who can create explosive plays. So, um, you know, I think that you saw adaptability in this class as well from the from the Bulldogs. Absolutely. Um, you have got a lot of guys that can play multiple multiple spots. So uh, let's stay on the offensive line, and then I'll jump out to the wide receivers, and then we'll, we'll flip over to defense. But um, on the offensive line, you know, you, 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 you have Trey Hill, who's going to obviously be the center. I, I think that's pretty much set in stone. Justin Schaefer coming off injury, likely going to be a guard. Ben Cleveland likely going to be the other guard. And then you have Jamari Sawyer, um, who looks to fit in somewhere. Um, and I'm seeing pro- uh, projections of him being slotted in at right tackle. Uh, does that mean, you know, one of the start, one, like Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge, Xavier Truss, do one of those guys slot in at left tackle or does Sawyer go to left tackle? How do you see the offensive line shaking out and, and what freshman um, can crack the two deep and get significant playing time? I do think that Jamari is going to end up with that left tackle spot. I think that they value the experience there about as much as anything. And, you know, certainly he has that. Uh, he's a tremendous, I mean, again, a kid who came out five tools or five spot player, I thought was the best guard that I've ever seen in high school, um, but had a chance, uh, you know, I, he's going to play where you need him. He's working with Andrew Thomas. They're close. They're tight. And Jamari's a kid who can do it all. I think that it'll be a natural transition for him. I don't think he'll have any trouble making that move over to left tackle. Uh, so I guess that that kind of opens up right tackle. And that's where I think that you see a freshman making a big impact. I do think that uh, Xavier Truss is probably the guy that they're looking to right now, if I were guessing. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt that Broderick Jones can get in and compete right off the bat. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is similar in size and skill, in my estimation, to a guy like Andrew Thomas uh, coming out of high school. I, I think that those guys compared very well and where they were at the same stages in their career. Obviously we saw how that worked out for Andrew's freshman year and beyond. And uh, I think Broderick's got that kind of ceiling as well. Uh, I think for Tate, the big challenge is going to be, uh, you know, just adjusting to the competition. I, I think that uh, coming from, you know, the private school ranks one, a, uh, it's 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 tough for anybody to make that jump uh, to, to SEC defensive rushers. Now, he's got a lot of camp experience. Don't get me twisted on that. I mean, he's a guy who has competed against many of the nation's best and done really, really well. Uh, but for me, I think Broderick is the guy who uh, just kind of jumps off the page to everybody, and, and I, I completely understand it. I, I think you see Trust and uh, Jones battling it out for that right tackle spot. Now, on the interior, you bring in Clay Webb and Cedric Van Pran. Uh, do they cross-train guard center? Uh, does one of them kind of push Trey Hill eventually out to guard and, and become a center? What what happens on the inside? Yeah, I could see one of those guys challenging for that center spot. You know, I think with a, a new coordinator, a new uh, quarterback under center, 
you know, you're not as worried about that continuity maybe that uh, Jake Fromm and Trey Hill had in their familiarity over the years. So there does exist that possibility. Clay Webb's a hell of a center. I mean, he's a kid who can uh, play that position all day. Cedric Van Pran has uh, great size there as well as the head on his shoulders to play the spot. Um, so I think either of those guys could challenge for it. And I think that Trey would be a real natural fit at guard. I think that might even feel a little bit better for him. Um, you know, just having that, uh, that, uh, kind of extra weight removed off of him of, uh, having to make sure he gets everything, you know, in and out, he's done a great job of it, but I do think that, uh, you unencumber him a little bit. Uh, you, you could really unleash another level of Trey Hill. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's important. I mean, the offensive line is, is an ever cooling project, I feel like, and Matt Luke has, has done a tremendous job since he's since he's got there. But let's look at let's look on the outside. Let's go on the perimeter. Um, you bring in Marcus Roseme, uh, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith. Are the, probably the three headliners at that position. Would you know? It, you would probably agree, right? Yeah. Um, no, I, absolutely. Do do any of those guys? Uh, obviously, they're probably not going to unseat George Pickens. I, 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 that's pretty safe to say. But you have Demetrius Robertson, Dominic Blaylock, Kyrus Jackson, um, Landers. You know, where do those three freshmen uh, compare to those guys, and do they jump those guys? I don't know about jump them. I, I think that it's it's tough for them to, uh, you know, get in and make a, a huge impact. Although I do think in this Todd Munkin offense, you're going to see it done a lot more by committee. I think that you'll see George Pickens out there, but I think they're going to rotate a lot of these guys in and uh, allow them to do what they do best. Um, you know, when I'm looking at it, I think Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton jump off the, the, the page as – you know, those speedy guys, those guys who are able to uh, get out and create big plays. But for me, it's it, it's Roseme. I think that Roseme is the guy that if you're looking for a big contribution out of a freshman, it's him because he does so many of the things that Kirby Smart values in a wide receiver. And I think that that's what's most important. Uh, tremendous blocker uh, and just uh, unforgiving in that way. I mean, a kid who will just light you up and seems to take pleasure in, uh, in knocking them around. Uh, but tremendous hands as well. Uh, not the fastest guy. I mean, he's he's not giving up too many steps to anybody. Don't get me uh, wrong there. But, um, you know, he's a guy I think that does all the things Kirby Smart asks of his wide receivers and does them quite well. And I think for that reason, he'll earn some early, uh, earn some early playing time in this Georgia offense, especially with uh, a lot of fresh eyes on it. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think what what you notice with Todd Monken is he he does use a lot of guys. He, he'll get in those uh, ten personnel type sets, but um, when you got a guy like Darnell Washington that that could probably play in the NBA right now, also, um, what you know, what do you do with him? Does he contribute? I, I know he just had some uh, some some. I think he just got his knee scoped, right? Yeah, um, yeah, he, cleaning up a little bit of scarring, but uh, sounds like he'll be good to go. I think that he's. Um, a kid that's going to take some time get, uh, raw, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 he's one of those guys that uh, I, I don't mean to say he's he's not a good player. He's a great player, but he's also gotten by a lot on just being a, able to dominate high school level kids by being six foot eight, two hundred and fifty five pounds. I mean, he just it's it's ridiculous. Like you oh, said, yeah. he looks like an NBA, he looks like an NBA player on the field, uh, just tossing dudes around or trying to tackle him. Uh, so I think that, you know, when he's with some similarly sized competition, uh, finally, uh, that could that could probably uh, make for a little bit of a transition. 
I think Washington, like I said, still too, a, a little bit raw, going to have to work a little bit on those routes and the catching and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think that by the end of the season, I think you could definitely see some big things from him. I think that early on, you might lean toward Trey McKitty uh, with the grad transfer experience. And then John Fitzpatrick is a guy that I know that everybody's been waiting to see, uh, you know, a good blocker, great hands on him. Brett Scyther's a guy that we've heard has made, has made some steps forward. So, uh, I don't think it's a situation where you've got to rely on Washington out of the gate. I think that that benefits everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you can get a, a kid that can develop, that's always that's always beneficial. Um, so I was talking to Dane Young the other day, and, and he was very, very bullish on Jamie Newman. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that Jamie is the guy. I think regardless of what happens, um, you know, JT Daniel gets approved for this waiver or whatever. Um, I, I can't see anybody unseating Newman. And, and for a number of reasons, I think that it's, uh, you know, obviously a ton of experience. Uh, I love what he brings to the field athletically. I think he's really worked hard to get his body right and keep it right in this uh, in this shutdown. And simultaneously, too, from the quarterback transfer market, if you want to continue to get guys like that, especially the grad transfers who only have a year to prove themselves, uh, you know, there's an onus on you to get those guys on the field. And mm-hmm. so I think that uh, Jamie uh, slots in at the, as the, uh, the QB one, uh, tough for me to see anybody unseating him. Right. And looking forward, uh, you'll have Daniels versus Beck versus Vandegrift uh, the following season. So how does that shake out? Is Vandegrift uh, my, the my guess is, I, I mean, yeah, he's he, the kid's unbelievable. He's yeah. he's awesome, um, you know. And and I, I think what he one of the things he doesn't get enough credit for is what he's able to do with his feet. You know, he's a kid who can get out and create, he can run around with it, um, but it can make every throw. I mean, just a, ideal for what Georgia has wanted in their quarterbacks. I think, and um, you know, I think that you'll probably see some attrition. I, I just think that that's the nature of college football these days. I mean, there are nine quarterbacks on the roster right now. Uh, my guess is some of those guys feel like they might be able to play uh, somewhere else and, and maybe a little sooner uh, than, than trying to get through the nine deep. So oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I think that uh, the possibility exists out there. I think you'll see some great competition this year. Uh, be interesting to see what say Juan Mathis has in all of this. I think mm-hmm. that he's a guy to watch out for this, uh, this fall while uh, practices get fired up. Um, because I think that he can kind of get in. He's hungry for the opportunity. He had that year off, and I think that this could be a, a big opportunity for Dwan to uh, kind of figure out, hey, you know, is this where I belong? Is this where I want to be for the long term? And I, I think that between him and Carson, uh, you know, one of those two guys, I would guess, if I were guessing, uh, that, that might be where you would see Luke might come from on the scholarship ranks. Good deal. Um, let's switch over to defense real quick. Um, not a lot of freshmen, uh, I feel like can contribute, uh, substantially. Uh, the one that stands out to me, obviously is Keely Ringo, uh, that I mentioned earlier in the show, um, kind of as a safety, you know, star nickel guy, you know, just somebody that's versatile that can play a lot of different roles. Um, what is, does, what does he bring? Does he have a legit chance at being in a starting role? Is there any other freshman that can jump up in a starting role at any position? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, if I'm well, we'll we'll do, we'll do Ringo first, and then I'll get yeah. you, I'll get on that because uh, yeah, Keely, uh, I mean, he was going to compete wherever he was going to go. I, I think that he'll be in the two deep, no question about. It. 
about it. But, uh, you know, I do think that, that that's a little bit of a crowded situation at the cornerback spot. And I do think that that's where Georgia sees him. Uh, also with star, I mean, you got Devon Wilson, uh, Mark Webb, Tyreek Stevenson, all kind of fighting it out there. So not a not an easy hill to climb. I think that you see Keeley, uh, you know, get in, though, and learn behind some of the Tyson Campbells and uh, Eric Stokesons of the world, Dave, uh, DJ Daniel as well. I, for me, there's no onus to to play him immediately. He doesn't need it. Um, you know, he he has some skills that I think can benefit you. I'd love to see what he can do as a punt returner. Um, he's uh, lightning fast. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we've seen him run that four three five laser time mm-hmm. forty, and uh, he's I mean he smokes it. So uh, I, I would love to see what he could do in that in that regard. But I think that for Keeley too, it's a good opportunity to come in get his body right and, uh, you know, learn under some of these guys. Because, again, you know, you're talking about a guy who has gotten a, a long way playing with superior athleticism, uh, just superior raw athleticism, six foot three, four, four, three forties. I mean, you know, you, you can, uh, you can stop a lot of high school wide receivers with that skill set. Oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, the other guy I'm looking at, I think is Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is ready-made for Georgia's offense or defense. I'm sorry. I think their defensive front uh, uh, stacks up well for him to get in and make an impact early. Uh, he is kind of, you know, I, he's ready built in my opinion to uh, kind of jump in. You know, I talk about uh, some of these guys needing a little bit of time to develop. I, I just don't get that sense from him. I think that he's a guy who has the power has the size um, and and knows the position well and has the kind of athleticism. I mean, people forget, you know, this kid was a kid who was playing tight end for his team in Apopka, uh, you know, punting as well. I mean, this kid's just a football player uh, who happens to be a, a tremendous defensive lineman. And uh, I think that, that Kirby Smart is probably licking his chops at the opportunity to throw that kid out early and often. Absolutely. So, uh, Jake, where can we find you uh, on social media and uh – Tell us about your podcast as well. Yeah, um, you can check us out, uh, UGA Sports Live. Uh, we record on Tuesdays. Um, got a new episode coming out, even all through the, the shutdown and mm-hmm. stuff. We've had to fill it with some interesting things along the way, certainly. But uh, uh, we're up and running every week. Uh, so check us out at UGA Sports Live. We're on iTunes, uh, Podbean, uh, you know, just about anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, and also YouTube, we, we put everything over there. Um, and then uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can do that at Roost Recruiting. That's R-E. U-S-E, just like reuse. Um, come check me out over there. Uh, we got a lot of recruiting stuff always happening. And uh, come give us a, a check at UGASports.com, too. We've always got the 30-day uh, free going. So uh, UGA30 is the code. Uh, check us out for a month. See what you like. See what you uh, uh, wish we would do. And give us some feedback, if not. All right, Jake. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Again, Jake is one of the best in the business. If you follow him on Twitter, you'll be tremendously up-to-date, even – uh, maybe even too much up to date um, on recruiting and you'll be able to have that conversation with your friends and then you'll be able to jump over to UGA Sports, go on the vault, talk recruiting, go on the vent, talk whatever they're talking about, which is probably going to be the debate on Jamie Newman versus Carson Beck uh, or they might even rehash Jake Fromm versus uh, Justin Fields. You never know um, what what goes on over there. So uh, UGA30 is the promo code for UGASports.com. Check them out. They do a tremendous, tremendous job, and uh, you know Jake is Jake is one of the leaders in the clubhouse uh, when it comes to recruiting, and uh, he makes it very, very easy to be a part of the Rivals family. So, uh, Jake, again, thank you for coming on, 
and uh, we hope to have you back soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Corey. I appreciate it, buddy. That was Jake Roos of UGASports.com. Really appreciate him coming on. Lots of great insight into recruiting. Be sure to check him out on UGA Sports again. Uh, Be sure to check our show out. Be sure to like us on social media at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms. And be sure to give us a subscribe and uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Luminary, Stitcher, whatever you whatever you listen to your podcast on, be sure to give us a subscribe and and uh, give us some feedback. But uh, I certainly thank Jake for coming on. Hopefully, he'll be a regular guest. And uh, with that, uh, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, go dogs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.